When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Doc Vader, the most powerful clinician in the galaxy. You are listening to the Inside the Boards podcast. The force is moderately to severely strong with this one. Vader out. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. And now here's your host, Patrick Beeman. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast. Okay, sorry, I just watched John Oliver um, and that's stuck in my head. At any rate, welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast. I am Patrick Beeman, your host. Uh, just want to give you a few updates before we get into today's content. All right, so listen up, listen carefully. The Study Smarter series for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 starts Monday, the 19th of March. But we're putting this content over on a different channel. You're going to have to go into iTunes and search for Inside the Board's Study Smarter series for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 in order to hear those episodes. You can get more instructions on our website, insidetheboards.com. We just want to thank everyone for listening and helping make this podcast uh, pretty successful, one that we're definitely proud of. And now we're branching out into even more content. Head over there if you want a little on-the-go USMLE Step 1 study prep. And as we've thought about how to raise awareness of this other channel, uh, number one, we are going to ask you to tell your friends about the Inside the Boards podcast. Next, you're going to hear Stuart Bryant, our well-known producer and sometimes co-host, and Greg Rodden who is in charge of the Med School Fizz podcast. Uh, Well, in this episode, he kind of talks about the USMLE and Comlex kind of tests in general and a little bit about osteopathic manipulative medicine. So to our osteopathic listeners out there, this is our way of saying we hear you, especially those who, oh my gosh, take two step ones, the level one of the Comlex and USMLE Step 1. My heart really goes out to you if you have to take both. But interesting discussion between Stuart and uh, Greg coming up next. Part 2 of that interview. So if you want to hear Greg and Stuart on some cardiovascular uh, physiology questions is going to be over on the new Inside the Boards Step 1 channel. You can help support the Inside the Boards podcast. Just go to insidetheboards.com and click on the Support ITB button on the homepage to learn more. 
And for a limited time as well, we are offering our audio QBank by three months now, get a month free. But if you go to the site insidetheboards.podbean.com, you can take advantage of that offer. You won't actually get any notification that the extra month there is free, but trust me, it'll be four months. And you'll have access to both the step one level content and our step two slash clerkship content. That's all I got. Here's Stuart and Greg from the Med School Fizz podcast. Enjoy. You took both the Comlex and step one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So I, I guess, ha- tell me, walk me through the prep for those and if you did anything differently for each of them. Sure. So the for the Comlex, I mean, really, the you study the same way for the Comlex and the USMLE. the The main difference that that I saw was just adding the OMM component. And I mean, this is this is something that almost every osteopathic medical student has heard before. Is really, you just need to read. There's this book called uh, the Savory Screen Book. I've heard of that this has, book. Yeah. <laughs> have you really? Okay, uh, so so clearly it's made the right. I, I listened to a an OMM podcast called Didactics Online because I was just curious about it, but I, I really don't have a good understanding about OMM at all. Uh, could you just for our listeners who don't know about that? Could you describe what that kind of focuses on a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so OMM is osteopathic manipulative medicine, and they hate it when we make this comparison, but it's basically chiropractic medicine. Uh, just it uses a different conceptual uh, framework to understand the uh, the techniques and to to justify the techniques that you're using. But when you're cracking somebody's back, you're cracking somebody's back. Like it's the same, you're, you're performing the same physical maneuvers that, that a chiropractor would. Um, but OMM, doctors who practice OMM, uh, tend to understand, uh, the practice as, uh, reducing what's called, uh, spinal facilitation. So the, so the basic idea is that if you have some, some physical problem in like an organ. So let's say you have, um, uh, gallstones or something. Right. So the sympathetic innervation, um, to the, uh, to the gallbladder uh, and to the liver, uh, basically runs from, uh, T5 to like T7 or eight or nine, um, depending on the person. And we have these, uh, afferent sympathetic nerve fibers that are hyperstimulated in the setting of pathology. So like in the setting of gallstones. Um, and so what you can find is increased afferent sympathetic input into the spinal cord. And then the crosstalk between nerves in the spinal cord will crosstalk with somatic fibers. So the fibers uh, innervating some of the paraspinal musculature at the T5 to T9 level. And then that produces essentially physical changes in the tonicity of the muscles uh, in that T5 to T9 area. Hmm. And that produces what 
osteopathic physicians call somatic dysfunction, which is just a really vague term for physical changes of the body and uh, particularly of the, of the musculature and, or the musculoskeletal system. So the muscles and the, uh, and the bones and the way that those uh, joints in the spine articulate with one another, uh, creating basically rotations and si- and abnormal side bending of the spine. And that can create pain, but it cannot, but it can also like reduce the functional capacity of the patient. So it's this con- so so osteopathic physicians basically understand the body as a unit. Right. So the liver so the liver and the gallbladder which are affected by gallstones that that form or or whatever other liver pathologies or other gallbladder pathologies are directly connected to the spine. Right. Um, is is the is, it is the through idea. the celiac plexus maybe or yeah, you got it. You okay. got it. Yes, through the through the uh, through the celiac plexus or the celiac ganglion, and the celiac ganglion basically it's associated with, with input and output from the T five through T nine sympathetic neurons in the spine. Right. Uh, that's that's the basic idea. Is is the the organs are connected to the spine, and the spine is connected to the organs, okay. and so the idea. Then with OMM is one, we can, uh, we can reduce any, any discomfort that the patient might have in their spine. But then two, by, uh, by correcting the somatic dysfunction. So by correcting the physical like rotations and side bendings, uh, that are, that are causing problems for the patient or the patient may not even notice them. Um, by correcting those, we can hopefully reduce the amount of sympathetic input that's going back into the internal organs. So that's going back into the gallbladder okay. or the liver. So it's kind of like a, a loop. Oh. Yeah, that's that's the that's a that's at least the the theoretical framework that osteopathic physicians are working with. And and so those uh, those connections are called viscerosomatic okay. uh, reflexes. Is that um, is the a lot like referred pain and those sort? Yeah, of... yeah, exactly. It's it's the it's it's almost the exact same concept as referred pain. Um, but then osteopathic doctors also focus a lot on um, what's called spinal facilitation. So the which is the the input from from the gallbladder uh, that is basically irritating these nerves in the spine in the T5 through T9 area will then cross talk to somatic nerves that um, that then increase the tonicity of the paraspinal muscles in that area. Yeah. So that's uh, and, and that's that's just one one example. Uh, ex- one example uh, yeah, of of the of the kind of stuff that we that we learn right. in our. And and do you use that more for like, kind of like diagnostic technique or more for therapeutic technique? Like for for instance, are you saying, do you have pain in this area? You're you're having pain through, you know, this spinal region uh, that's related to, it could be, you know, the stomach, the gallbladder, the spleen, and maybe we can provide some relief by manipulating that area? Yeah, yeah. So you've you've got it. So the the idea is that one uh, correct. We can use it for diagnostic purposes. So if um, if we suspect like uh, a peptic ulcer or something, we can basically screen screen the spine in the T five to T nine area. Or also, um, if we're thinking about like the parasympathetic side of things, um, we can screen the what's called the 
the OA joint or the uh, occipitoatlantal joint and C1, C2, and C3 because of that area's connection to the vagus nerve, basically. We can look at those areas and see, is there somatic dysfunction um, that might correlate with uh, with some kind of GI pathology, with, with a peptic ulcer or whatever. And then um, on the flip side, this is a little more controversial, but can, can we basically reduce the internal pathology? Can we reduce the symptoms of the peptic ulcer or reduce the symptoms or even improve the, the actual underlying pathology of the peptic ulcer? Um, he essentially heal mm-hmm. the peptic ulcer with manipulation. Interesting. By, uh, reducing the sympathetic stimulation or, or normalizing the sympathetic to parasympathetic innervation to these areas, um, can we help to fix the underlying pathology uh, as the main idea? Okay. Not everyone is convinced by that, um, in part because the, like the sensitivity and specificity of uh, these associated uh, paraspinal changes with uh, internal pathology isn't always too great. <laughs> I hate to hate to burst bubbles, but like neither is a lot of like physical exam maneuvers right, any, right. anyway. So you know, it's not like we're uh, we're we're perfect with everything we do. right right absolutely absolutely but but that's the that's kind of like the theoretical framework that that, uh osteopaths work with and and i mean some of it some of it it's amazing like it's it's exactly when you're when you see these problems in the clinic it's exactly like what they say in the classroom um and then sometimes it's like yeah i'm not seeing that but (laughs) i you know i i'm i'm a you know third year medical student at this point so i need to I need to be humble and, and uh, understand that I haven't seen nearly as much as, as these physicians have seen. And so I can't, you know, just chalk everything up to confirmation bias or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, even, you know, something like a heart attack, you, you, you don't always have the typical presentation, you know, and, right. and that's getting lines get blurred with this kind of stuff. Yeah. You can. I think the, you know, sensitivity and specificity of like a pulmonary exam is actually pretty terrible compared to, you know, like doing an ultrasound of, uh, of the lungs, for instance. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to be able to appreciate that you may or may not see something, but it's important if you do, right, that you follow up on it. Um, right. Absolutely. <laughs> And there's also, there's also something, something to be said about like, while, while you can knock uh, the, uh, the sensitivity and specificity of some specific exam maneuver or some, um, some specific, uh, osteopathic finding that, that you might find every, every time you're looking at a patient, you're looking at the whole patient. You're looking at does that, what does their constellation of symptoms tell me? And what does, what does their, what does their story tell me? And I mean, I swear almost all the time you can narrow it down to, to one, two, three of the most likely things, right? And, and that's what the differential diagnosis is, right? Um, just based off of 
history and physical exam alone. And so when you're looking at the whole patient and when you're listening to what they're telling you and you're paying attention to these exam findings, I mean, you can get a pretty darn clear idea of what's going on and what your next step is. Oh, yeah. And I I bet it just helps because you're actually uh, taking the time to interact with the patient a lot more. And, you know, for instance, as a medical student, they want us to do a full head-to-toe exam when we see a patient. But a full head-to-toe exam will take like an hour for me to honestly (laughs) do, um, to do it right. You know, I can do it in 15 minutes, but... Do I always get it perfect? Probably not. And, you know, I, I, I bet that helps teach you a lot more about how to do those things and actually interact with the patient. And I, there's a lot to be said for, you know, actually working with the patient and not just speaking with them and running off with your differential like that, especially for their <laughs> their own perception of what the doctor does and how the doctor helps uh, you know, like the healing touch kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That was a good overview of OMM. Uh, I, I really cleared up a lot for me, but I think we really turned from talking about what we, what you did for your boards. Um, so I'm going to try yes, to reel yes, that back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cause I, I, I did want to know that cause I, I've, I haven't gotten clear answers from listening to people about it. All I know is that mm-hmm. DOs are a lot a lot friendlier and nicer to interact with than, <laughs> than um, some doctors that you find. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> That's just my personal experience though. So there, there's a lot of bias there. Right. But yeah, what did you do for Comlex and USMLE, I guess? One thing before I get to that, I'm going to stand up for MDs a little bit here. It uh, Honestly, it's it just comes down to the to the person. Uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if these broad generalizations <laughs> oh, about, oh, de- they're definitely uh, broad. about DOs and MDs, uh, are, uh, accurate, at least according to my personal experience, my, my anecdotal uh, <laughs> evidence here. But yeah. anyways, uh, so Keep me in check, what, right? what, did, what did we do? <laughs> yeah. So what did we do about preparing for the comments? So, uh, like like I mentioned, the Savory Screenbook is uh, I found it to be an excellent uh, resource that basically just gives you this comprehensive. It's it's a comprehensive exam preparation tool that talks about all basically all the different kinds of uh, concepts that you OMM concepts specifically that you could encounter. Uh, on the Comlex, uh, it there it's a little notorious because there are a lot of errors in it, mm. um, and that even that even I noticed as a second year medical student, I was like, "That's super wrong, dude." Um, and uh, and so and pl- and plenty of people have have noticed those issues too. Uh, so he kind of needs to come out with with a new version of it, but it's just a very straightforward resource with plenty of practice questions at the end of each chapter and and like full length practice tests at the end of each or at the end of the book. I think there's like four of them and, and they're, they're pretty good. Um, I would definitely recommend the green book to anyone. Um, I, I, I just haven't checked out other, uh, other comprehensive, uh, OMM books to be able to comment on them, uh, which I probably should have done ahead of time. But, uh, yeah, also I, I would recommend a, um, uh, complex specific question bank for osteopathic students just to see what the OMM questions are going to look like 
because while Savarese has um, has some solid practice questions at the end of each uh, section, the questions are very first order. They're very straightforward. Uh, they're really not meant to be um, board style questions. So oh, cool. I would highly recommend something like ComBank or um, or ComQuest. ComQuest, to, yeah. I, I've personally used ComBank the whole time, and it was just because my school provided it to me. And oh, that's nice. I found that, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I found that ComBank, uh, the style of the questions very close. I found that it very closely matched um, what I saw on the ComLax. Cool. And uh, some people disagree, but that that was my interpretation of it. Yeah, I can debate left and right with people about Q banks and whether or not they're any good. And, you know, that's, uh, yeah, a lot of people hate on, uh, osmosis for instance, because they have, um, some questions that maybe they don't get into the right detail or they're not testing really the important fact of that, uh, objective. But, you know, I think you have to be able to read between the lines a little bit with what they're testing. And I, I find, I, I even find things wrong with like you world, for instance. So, you know, nothing's perfect. Uh, and if you're expecting something to be perfect, then, uh, you're probably not setting yourself up right in preparation. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're going to need to use, more than just one single resource, but don't, you know, don't try and use like seven or eight because you'll just <laughs> overwhelm yourself. For sure. No. So, um, what did you do? Did you do much differently for step one? I, honestly, no. So the Comlex and the US Million step one, as far as basic science content goes, I mean, they, they test in a very similar manner. Uh, the, the, what I found on the USMLE was that the questions were a little more esoteric than they were on the Comlex. I thought the Comlex was asked questions in a, a bit more of a straightforward manner where you, where you didn't have to read their mind as much, uh, That's good. to be able to, to be able to answer the, yeah, to be able to answer the questions. So, but the concepts that they're testing i mean they're they're all the same concepts so like if if they're going to ask you about cardiac output and the main determinants of cardiac output kind of kind of thing they're they're testing you on the exact same concepts and they're going to ask you similar similar questions about about that concept Um, they're they're really they're really not that different in the in the arena of basic science Really, the, the main mm-hmm. difference is with the complex, you just need to, you also need to prepare for the omen, uh, portion of it. And then also on the complex, like when they're, even if they're testing you on a basic science concept, um, in the vignette, they'll add like, and he also had somatic dysfunction in the T5 through T9 area, <laughs> whatever, side bent left, rotated right, et cetera. So they'll they'll kind of throw in uh, little hints as to where the where the underlying pathology is or, or whatever. Oh yeah, okay. And, and I I know the vignette length is always a, a a big hamper for students. So that that but it gives you all that detail. Like if you know the physical exam findings, you know the lab findings and what they correspond to, 
you know, you're going to know what they're talking about when you look at one yeah, of these yeah. questions. Yeah. I know Golyan really like tried to press that, you know, if you know that information, you're 90% of the way there to right. figuring out what they're going to be asking about. Right. Yeah. So, so for, so for example, uh, something like, I don't know why I keep thinking about GI examples, but it's good. I got GI like coming ascending, down the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so something, something like ascending cholangitis, uh, which is uh, an infection of the biliary tree that can become really dangerous. Um, usually after like a gallstone gets stuck in the, in the common bile duct. If you, if you notice that the patient has uh, fever, right upper quadrant pain and jaundice, uh, like, uh, I think that's Charcot's triad or something like that. They're not going to use the word the the word Charcot's triad, but they're, they're going to tell you <laughs> their temperature is 101. Their skin is yellow, and and they're complaining of right upper quadrant pain. You're like, okay, this person has ascending cholangitis, and we need to do boom, 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 boom. Um, the and that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of thinking. And so the what I found helped me to helped me to perform well on the test really was doing doing lots of practice questions and recognizing how how they present that information because they're not they're not going to explain it to you in that manner they're they're not going to you know put all three of those findings right next to each other like they're going to try and they're going to throw in some intermediary sentence that will uh that will almost try and distract you uh, which is annoying to think about but They'll throw in some in intermediary sentence, and uh, you might lose that trail. <laughs> and so the the key is all right is recognizing those three findings. Like that's the diagnosis. Keep moving, um, and and be confident in, in your choice. And the and what I found helped me to develop that skill was really practicing that skill with practice questions, with board style practice questions. <laughs> Awesome. And, and that's sort of what I'm planning to do really just to kind of re regress and talk about what I, what I've got planned. Like I, I mentioned to you that I'm going to start my board prep tomorrow and, you know, officially, you know, I'm going to have like time set aside to do questions. Um, and that's probably going to be the main kind of preparation I do mostly because I want to see how things get presented and, it's almost like a weird idea that if like, if you see all the presentations set up in like a board style vignette, then um, you won't be surprised when you get to the test and you see that same vignette come up um, yeah. and whether or not that's going to get you to the basic science of it. That's, uh, you know, hopefully if you've done enough of them, they've really hit on the important features of all those presentations maybe. And at least that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> uh, and we'll see how that turns out. And I'll definitely be reporting to everybody whether or not that was successful for me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of, I, I feel pretty good about this method and not spending too much time reading a book where I'm not really applying, you know, that kind of thinking or that critical thinking that, you're going to be doing while you're taking the test, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think, I think that that's completely reasonable. Um, 
so when I prepared for the test, I, I did end up reading through, uh, through first aid a, a couple of times and, um, and reading through those kinds of resources. And overall, I think that the, the practice questions were absolutely higher yield than reading through first aid. And honestly, I, I read through first aid because other people said it was a good idea. Everybody says read through first aid. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that, uh, I didn't really think about it for myself. And honestly, I, I think that your approach makes a lot of sense. And, and earlier you also mentioned, um, using first aid as like us as a supplemental resource rather than using it as a, uh, as a primary I'm going to sit down and read this many pages per day kind of thing. I think that's a really reasonable approach. Right. And, and, and it's reasonable for me to say, if I miss a question in uh, one of these Q banks and not just being tricked by the question, you know, it's one thing if I knew the answer and then I put this very similar thing because I was thinking, well, uh, you know, it's kind of hard for me to differentiate those things. Uh you know, maybe I won't look in first aid for something like that. But if I outright flat out miss a question or see a question, I have no idea. Yeah, I'll probably look up in first aid about that question and see what's going on in first aid, at least to, you know, kind of give me that basis for uh, why I missed something and why I don't feel very informed about it. Mm -hmm. But to sit down and read the like, I don't know, you know, you, they have like tables in first aid, which will have like 20 genetic disorders. And, you know, that then they write a sentence about each one. And I'm not sure I'm going to, you know, it's one thing for me to read it, but I'm not going to remember any of that in 20 minutes, let alone uh, in six weeks when I actually take a board exam. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so for some, for a topic, for a topic like that, when you're trying to remember like the fine distinctions between, I don't know, rare causes of immunodeficiency or something like that, like genetic causes of immunodeficiency. I'm trying to, like chronic granulomatous disease and, and those kinds of things. I, I seriously would, I found what stuck with me was using something like Picmonic, uh, really, mm. really helped. Uh, just being able to recognize those key aspects of, of the of different diseases um in a picture form just works so much better for me than than tables um I, like like you i i can read something and like half an hour later just completely forget most of the information that i that i read and i'm a slow reader on top of that so it really disincentivizes reading for me but uh but that's a that's a different uh, a different topic no that's a I think that plagues a lot of people. <laughs> and, uh, I I do I like how Picmonic does things, and Sketchy Medical has yeah. you know a lot of great ways to help you really like latch on to this material. And you know, even a year after watching a Sketchy video on something like uh, Tularemia, I I can remember the sigh in the garden that you'd want to treat it with right. an aminoglycoside. Right. And, you know, I, I can get a, a question right because of that. And that's completely ridiculous. There's no reason I should have that in my head anymore. But mm -hmm. some reason, for some reason, that just clicks and just something stayed. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you only keep one fact from each of those images. Uh, 
from just like casually watching them, or maybe you sit down and you actually study those images. Either way, it's going to help with that, that memory tool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's just, uh, that's, that's what I found to be the most effective approach for just true brute force memorization of, of facts and memorization, heavy topics like, like, uh, microbiology, like pharmacology, like uh rare genetic diseases uh the those that's what i found those resources to be to be the most helpful for but um i found that at the end of the day that that practice questions are are the best resource overall for me yeah and i think uh a lot of people on the other end of it are very very much in agreement about doing the questions and less on, you know, reading a textbook or anything like that. Um, all right. So not to kind of speed us up a little bit, do yeah. we want to do a couple of these questions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do that. Whoa. Hang on, Stuart and Greg. You're on a new channel now. So there's that. If you want to hear the rest, go to the Inside the Boards Study Smarter Series for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 on Podbean, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please leave us a good rating and a review of the show. Thanks for listening. And thanks to James from 2 O'Clock Courage for letting us use the opening track, which is The Valentine Blast Furnace off 2016's album Missalette. You can check 2 O'Clock Courage, the best band you've never heard of, at 2oClockCourage.com or on iTunes or Spotify. Inside the Boards is in no way affiliated with the United States Medical Licensing Examination, Comprehensive Osteopathic Medical License Examination, National Board of Medical Examiners, the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners, or any other licensing or examination body. All exam names and other trademarks are the property of the respective trademark owners. Content discussed during the program is the property of inside the boards or the attributed trademark owner and may not be reproduced without permission from the appropriate entity. Inside the Boards fully adheres to the respective policies on irregular behavior outlined by the aforementioned credentialing bodies.